Amen, amen. Hey, grab a seat, and as you do, grab a Bible and get it on your lap in front of you. Pull it up on a phone, or if you need a Bible under a seat nearby, you'll find a black Bible under one of those chairs. And turn with me to Acts 4. If you're kind of newer to the Bible, uh, book of Acts will be towards the back of the Bible, fifth book into the New Testament. We are, um, we are walking through this book, and God's doing great things in our midst as we study this. Acts chapter 4 is where we are today. Hey, I think one of the hardest things in life is when you have done everything right, when you've done nothing wrong, and yet you're treated very wrongly for it. Uh, I think we've all experienced times where it's like, what is going on? God, I did the right thing. I did what you call me to do. I did what you asked of me, and, and the people are treating me very wrong for that. I, I think there's, there's not many things more difficult in life than when you've done what God said to do and it's cost you. And you've paid for it. And I bring this up because today we're going to study uh, what, what a group of people do after they have done what God has said to do. They've obeyed him. And it's not made life immediately easier. It's made life immediately more difficult. Life has actually gotten harder for it. There's a response that these Jesus followers are going to have after being treated very, very wrongly. And it's a response I wish I could say I would have responded the same way, but I'm not sure I would have. It's a response that is so uncommon, so unnatural, that it just, I'm like, how did this happen? Here's what's gone on. Um, Peter and John. Peter and John are apostles. They're walking up to the temple one day for three in the afternoon for the hour of prayer. And as they walk up to the temple, outside the gate of the temple, the beautiful gate that they're walking in, there's a beggar there. And the, the, the Bible tells us this beggar could not walk. This beggar has never walked. And last week's passage told us he was more than 40 years old. So for over four decades of his life, this guy has never known the feeling of one foot in front of the other. He's never known the feeling of standing upright in his own strength. And as Peter and John, these Jesus followers who are apostles, as they walk into the temple area, the guy's sitting there and he's asking for some change. And they look at him and they say, we don't have any money to give you, but here's what we do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he did. And Peter and John thought just the two of them were going into the temple area, but they're now joined by a third. It's this man who can never walk who's now walking. And the scriptures tell us that he was walking and he was leaping and he was praising God and he drew a crowd. And this crowd gathers around, and any time in the book of Acts you see a crowd gather, look for a message. Look for preaching to start happening. Preachers love when crowds gather, they just start preaching. And Peter's like, there's a crowd, I'm preaching. And he preaches a message of straight Jesus. He basically starts to go, why are you looking at us? <laughs> no, really, why are you looking at us? You think we can make this guy walk? You think we have the power? You think we're so holy that this guy is walking? No. Let me tell you why this guy's walking. And he just straight goes, Jesus, 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 Jesus. The message is interrupted, and it's interrupted by some people who don't like too much of this Jesus name being thrown out there. They're actually the religious leaders. I know if you're new to this Christianity thing, you're like, why do the religious leaders not like Jesus being talked about? Uh, uh, Jesus, uh, they, they, they didn't like Jesus at all. 
And the religious leaders come in, they say the temple of the guard, the priests, and this group called the Sadducees, they interrupt this message and they, they, they arrest, think about this, they arrest Peter and John, Peter and John go spend the night in jail. The next morning, Peter and John are marched in front of a group called the Sanhedrin. I know it just sounds important, doesn't it? 71-member Jewish ruling council. They sit in a semicircle, and it says Peter and John are brought into the midst of them. And they start, they start peppering them with questions. What happened? What happened? Um, guy couldn't walk. He's walking now. Okay, tell us by what name this happened, by the name of Jesus. No, don't say that name. What happened? Um, guy couldn't walk. He's walking now. Tell me how it happened, by the name of Jesus. They're like, I don't know what you want us to say. And the Sanhedrin go, um, you, need, you, need to start, you need to stop saying this Jesus name. You need to stop talking about this Jesus guy. And Peter and John go, hey, thanks for the opinion on that. And respectfully, we hear that, but we can't. He's changed our life. He's our everything. Like, you couldn't, there's nothing you could do to get us to stop talking about this Jesus and the Sanhedrin goes, well, stop. And they threaten him. Get it, get it now, get it, get it. Some of the most powerful people in Peter and John's life, some of the most powerful people in their earthly existence have just said, if you don't stop talking about this Jesus, this is going to end bad for you. I want to know what do they do next. They've obeyed God. They've been used as a vessel by God to help a man who's never walked walk. And then Jesus said, I want you to be my witnesses. And then they did that. They witnessed for him. And it, all it did is land them arrested in jail before the Sanhedrin. And now there's threats levied against them to say, you better stop. I want to know what they do next. Because I'm telling us today, what we do next is crucial when we've done what God has said to do and we're paying for it. What do you do next when you've done nothing wrong, when you've done everything right? And people are treating you very wrong for it. We're going to see something crazy that they do in response. Pray with me and let's get into it. God, help us now. Lord, we throw around the word awesome for a lot of things. This is awesome. That's awesome. But Lord, you're awesome. And your word is awesome. And Lord, we carve out time in every week to just sit under the teaching of your word because we believe it will change our life. We believe you, the living God, desires to speak with us through your word. And so, God, I'm begging you right now, would the preaching of this church never rest on, 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 on the lofty words of man, but would it be a demonstration of power and of the Holy Spirit? God, speak. I pray for every heart in here, Lord, 
who might be distracted with something going on outside of these four walls, something that happened this week that just is consuming their mind as they sit here. Lord, I pray for something they know they're walking back out into that's consuming their mind as they sit here. Lord, we're not a culture that sits under 40 minutes of listening to someone talk anymore. God, we need your help in this. Would you grip us and would you not let us go by your word and your spirit breathing it into our hearts? Come on, Lord, come speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 4, get to um, verse 23. Remember where Peter and John were. They were just in front of the Sanhedrin now. Verse 23, I'm not going to get far into it, okay? When they were released, that's really important actually. Remember the last time Jesus stood in front of these religious leaders? Um, he's handed over to the Romans. Uh, crucifixion is his lot. Um, it, we got to know some. They were released this time. And it says when they were released. And I just wonder, like, if we could have been there, if we could have watched this thing. Are Peter and John, as they're walking out, like, you can go. Are they walking out, like, looking at each other out the side of their eyes? Like, dude, they're letting us go. Can you believe they're letting us go, man? They don't know what they're doing because we ain't going to stop. When they were released, now we got to see what they do when they're released. This is crucial. When they were released, they went, what's your Bible say? They went where? To their friends. So uh, just so you know, if you're like, hey, what version do you guys preach out of here? I preach out of the ESV. And so a lot of you probably have that sitting in front of you. Anyone got an NIV? Anyone got an NIV? Uh, What's it say? They went where? They went where? They went to their people. No, you got to say it like that. They went to their people. Literally, the Greek here, they went to their own. Like we have a hard time translating this into English, but you got to get this. They go back to their own. Who are their own? They're the other Jesus followers. Like they just spent the night in jail. They just got arrested. And Peter and John don't just go off and isolate themselves after this. They go back and they get with the Jesus people. And they go back to their own. I love how it says that. It, it, it's deeper than just their friends. They go back to their people. And what do they do with their own? What do they do with their people? Uh, they were released. They went to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And so they get back in this midst and they, everyone's like, hey, we've been praying for you. Like, what, what happened? Like, we heard some word. Like, did someone get healed? And then where have you guys been? And they're like, okay, you got to get this. Like, we're walking into the beautiful gate, and there's this guy there, and he, like Jesus heals him. We're just like, I don't, and then we go in, and there's this crowd, and so John's like, you know Peter, like Peter's not going to miss opportunities to crowd. He just starts preaching, and like we're in, like, like Peter is preaching it, when all of a sudden the authorities walk in, they're like, they're like the authority, yeah, the Sadducees, the priests, the temple, they're like, you got the temple of the guard after you? And, 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 and they, they arrest us, and they throw us in jail. They're like, what? How long have we been? We're like, we spent the night in jail. And the next morning, they pull us out, and we're walking, and we don't even know where they're going. We're going, and all of a sudden, we're like in front of the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin's like, tell us what has happened. And we're just like, we, we remembered when Jesus said, hey, don't worry about what happens on this day. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the words to say, and and. He gives us the words to say. And they're like, you were talking to the Sanhedrin about Jesus? They're like, what'd they think of that? They're like, they hated it. (laughs) Yeah. What'd they say? They said if we didn't stop, like it's going to be really bad for us. 
So what'd you do? We said, thanks, but no thanks. And what'd they say? And they said, if you don't stop, it's going to be really bad for you. Like they, they threatened us. Like the most powerful group around, they, there's threats against us. You, you guys just got to know that. If we're going to keep preaching this Jesus thing, we got to be ready for what's coming. I want to know what do the Jesus people do now? What do they do now? When they were released, they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Verse 24, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to who? You know what they do? They pray. Like they hear the threats that the Sanhedrin is thrown out and you get this idea that upon hearing the threats, they, they just all knew what to do. They just, they start praying. It says together, together there's this corporate reality. They start talking to God. Their reaction is to pray It's to gather with the other Jesus followers and just start praying to God. Hey, God, uh, they're they're threatening us now. Like, what do you want us to do about that? Hey, God, like you, what do we do? Hey, God, we trust you. And they just start praying. And before I go on, I just want to make this first point for us to this, with this. We respond, we respond to persecution with prayer. Now, I know some of you see that word persecution, you're like, persecution? I mean, we don't even know what the half of persecution is. I get that. Totally get that. What do we mean by persecution? Persecution is when we suffer personally, directly because of following Jesus. There's people in parts of the world right now as we speak who to proclaim Jesus could cost them their life. To proclaim Jesus could, could end their freedom on this earth for the rest of the day. They could be thrown in prison forever till they die. The persecution we experience at this time, at this time in our culture, is often uh, more along the lines of a loss of a reputation, a loss of some opportunities, maybe even professionally. It could cost us at times. It could cost us some, some mocking people saying some things. <clears throat> How do we respond when we've done what God has said to do, we've done what he defines as right and we're being treated very wrongly for it. I submit to us today, the Jesus community here, they just start praying. Um, I, wish, I wish I could say I always responded like that. But I think you probably agree I don't. And you don't. Let's talk about when you've done what's right and you're being treated wrong for it, three wrong responses to that. What are three wrong responses to something like that? First one is this, to retaliate. Do you know how easy retaliating is? Like, I don't even have to think about it. Like, I'm driving up um, I-69 to Michigan to see family this weekend. And I guess some guy didn't think I'd change lanes fast enough or something, but he told me I was number one with his middle finger. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being honest. Like, I didn't even have to think about what I really wanted to do in that moment. Like, pray for him. That's obviously what I mean. <laughs> no, I wanted to return the favor. 
You're like, our pastor wanted to flip someone? You better believe I wanted to. You're like, did you know? No. Only in my mind. But, but I'm just, I, I say that, and I'm not proud. It's sin. It's wrong. Like, I... But retaliation doesn't even need to, like, I didn't need to work on in that moment. I really want to retaliate to this. It was just there, ready. Um, more associated with the context here, I'm sharing the gospel with someone, a friend of mine on the football team my freshman year at college. And as I'm talking to him about Jesus, he's like, you're brainwashed. Like, you're, dude, you're an idiot. You really believe you're brainwashed. As the conversation escalated, I hopped up off of the futon, ready to punch the guy. I don't recommend witnessing like that. <laughs> Had another teammate not been in the room, we would have been in a straight-out brawl in my dorm room over talking about Jesus. My initial gut reaction to hearing I was brainwashed was, I want to punch you in the nose. And I just got to say, it's not of the Lord. To retaliate is not of the Lord. Like, it will be right there because there's this sin thing in our flesh where, like, we won't even have to work hard. Like, we'll want to do it. To retaliate is not of the Lord. The Jesus community, they're like, what do we do? Let's pray. They don't, re- they don't like, you know what? Let's, how do we get them back? Second thing, three wrong responses, kind of the opposite of retaliating, it's this, to retreat. Okay, so, so, so Christians, we don't retaliate, but we're not just soft. We're not, we try to not respond in sin, but we don't need to respond softly. Come on, some men lift up your voice and say amen to that? Like, to, to retreat means, oh, oh, they were hurt, they, oh, I'm... They said, stop. Oh, okay. Okay, stop. We'll stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll stop. We'll stop. I love what John Stott says about this. By the way, you see a lot of John Stott through this series. Anytime we're studying through a book, uh, typically there's a couple resources I use uh, greatly. If you want to kind of study along in depth with me, John Stott's book on the, uh, uh, on the book of Acts, The Message of Acts, phenomenal. And so um, grab that if you want to study in greater ways. But um, um, He says this, and I want to jump to that, Dakota, if we can. Jump to that John Stott quote. He says, The Sanhedrin might utter warnings, threats, and prohibitions and try to silence the church, but their authority was subject to a higher authority still. And the edicts of men cannot overturn the decrees of God. Say amen to that. Like, there's, there's, there's just this reality where there's some things we're going to be talking about in this culture of the things of God, and people are going to stop. We love you. I don't want to retaliate. I don't want to get into an argument, but we can't stop. God's called us to something higher than the commands of men here. And so we don't retaliate. We don't retreat. This third one, and this is probably the camp I would have been in the most if I was the Jesus followers here. Upon hearing these threats, I would have done this third thing. I would have worried Wait, hold on. Peter and John, what did you say? The Sanhedrin said that, dude, do you understand the power the Sanhedrin has? Do you understand what they could do? Do you understand what happened last time Jesus was in front of you? Do you know what could have? I just probably would have immediately panicked and started worrying. The Sanhedrin was powerful. 
You didn't cross them. They said, stop. We're threatening you to stop. I probably would have just started worrying, and that's not what you see here. The response of these Jesus followers is to immediately gather together with their own, with their people, and they start talking to God. Now, it's really important what they pray. They start praying, and there's two things they do in this prayer. The first thing they do is they acknowledge something. The second thing they do is they ask for something. They don't ask and then acknowledge. They acknowledge and then they ask. What do they acknowledge and what do they ask? This is massive for us in seasons like this. Verse 24, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, what are the first two words? Sovereign Lord. What do they start their prayer with? They acknowledge the sovereignty of God. Uh, that two words in English is one word in Greek, and it's this, uh, it carries along this idea of ruler of unchallengeable power. Let that sink in. You start your prayer like that. You think you got some big things going on in your life. You got some heavy things. You got some challenges. You don't know how you're going to solve. You know, start your prayer like that. Hey, ruler of unchallengeable power. Yeah, I got him on my side. Sovereign Lord. They start and they acknowledge the sovereignty of God. But, but, but they don't just stop there. They don't just stop there. These aren't trite words that they use to just start a prayer. They camp out on this thing. They camp out on the sovereignty of God thing. Look at it, look at it. They talk about God as sovereign. First thing they do is they acknowledge him as sovereign creator. He is sovereign Lord of creation. Keep reading here. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Yeah, yeah, the Sanhedrin just threatened us with some things, but guess what? Look around. My God made all that. No, look at that tree. He made that. And look at that sea. He made that. And all that stuff in that, yeah, he made that too. He is sovereign Lord of creation. They don't stop there. They're not done. He's sovereign Lord of creation. He's sovereign Lord of revelation. Look at what they do next. Um, Verse 25, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, they start to bring scripture back to mind. And they're not simply quoting David. They understand something. David was carried along by the Spirit of God. And they quote David, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. They, he's sovereign Lord of, of revelation. Thirdly, they're going, and guess what? He's sovereign Lord of history. All the events of history do not happen without being under his total control. Look at what they do, verse 27. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Here's what they're saying. The week Jesus died, it looked like God was completely out of control. Guess what? He wasn't. He was completely in control of all of that. Herod and Pontius Pilate were working under the complete sovereignty of God in this moment. We go, we believe that he is sovereign Lord of creation, he's sovereign Lord of revelation, and he is the sovereign Lord of history. They do all of this before they ask one thing. And we need to get this. 
Because when life seems out of control and when we're, we're suffering wrongly for doing what God said was right, we have to understand, write it down, acknowledge that God is in control. Acknowledge that he is in control. When you suffer and you didn't do anything wrong, he sees, he knows, and he's got it. When you finally step out and obey the Lord and you're bold for Jesus and that you get whacked for it, he sees, he knows, and he's got it. Look at me. No, every eye up here right now. Some of you need to hear this. For whatever it is you're walking through right now, that you have no clue why in the world does a good God allow this season to happen. He sees, he knows, and he's got it. But why has he got to do it like this? We don't know. But can he do it another way? He probably could have, but he hasn't. But why has it got to be so painful and so hard? Because here's the reality. One of the greatest tools in the tool belt of God to make us more like Jesus is often pain, hardship, difficulty, and trial. And I don't know about you, but I want to come out on the other side of those things more like Jesus than I was on the front end of them. He sees, he knows, he's got it. And they just start this prayer and they acknowledge, God, you are completely in control. And now they ask. Just remember, we said there's two parts to this prayer. They acknowledge something, now they ask for something. And we know, don't cheat, don't cheat, don't you cheat yet? We know what they're going to ask for, right? Right? We know what they're going to ask for. Like the, 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 some of the most powerful people in their world at the time have just threatened them if they keep preaching this Jesus character. We know what they're going to ask for. We know what we would ask for. Uh, look, 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 let's just see, right? Verse... Uh, Verse 25, no, verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and, don't, don't cheat, don't cheat. You know what's coming, right? Now, Lord, look upon their threats. Now, Lord, you've heard what they've said. Now, Lord, you've heard them threaten us if we keep doing what you say to do. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and, and what? What would we say? And keep us safe. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and keep us safe. Now, Lord, look upon their and protect us, Lord. And that's not at all what they ask for. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with what? Boldness. This I submit to us today is crazy. It was the boldness of the proclaiming of the word of God that has left Peter and John arrested, imprisoned before the Sanhedrin and the group threatened. 
It was the boldness that got them into this mess. And the believers, these Jesus followers, they get together and they pray and they say, Lord, we believe that there's a higher authority than the Sanhedrin. That is you. You are in control. And now we're asking for something, Lord. In light of the threats that have just been made, make us even more bold. And they get it. They get it. Look at the wording. Look back at the wording. They say, grant to us. They ask for it. They know that us naturally, we're not just going to be bold. We can't muster that up. They ask for it. Remember this definition of boldness we're using in these weeks here. Boldness is courage produced by the Holy Spirit to obey God and move his kingdom forward even at great personal cost. They ask for that. Lord, you got to grant us that. We won't naturally muster that up inside of us in light of the threats we have here. You grant us this boldness. So we respond to persecution with prayer. We acknowledge that God is in control in that prayer. And then we ask God for this. We ask God for more boldness. As counterintuitive as it will feel, we say, God, make me more bold. I love 2 Timothy 1.7. It's one of the first verses I tried to teach Case, and it's one of the first verses I'll try to teach Trey. It says, For God gave us a spirit not of what? A spirit of fear is not of God. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And here's what I think you see this Jesus community living out here. God, give us a spirit not of fear but a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of self-control and make us bold to move forward even in the face of these threats that have been levied against us. Grant us boldness, Lord. And so for you, when you finally step out and you're doing what God has said to do. You're being bold to proclaim. And listen, listen. I'm convinced that if we can make it through our whole life without ever receiving some pushback on this Jesus thing, we're probably not being as bold as God's called us to be. Like Jesus himself said, woe to you if everyone speaks well of you. If we can make it through our whole life without any pushback on this Jesus thing, we maybe need to step up our boldness game. Now, look at how God answers this prayer. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And all God's people said, cool. <laughs> They're praying, God shakes the place. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with what? God answered their prayer. God answered their prayer. Folks, I wish I could say, after experiencing what Peter and John have just experienced, that I would have come back and I said, you know what we should do? Let's pray. But I submit to us today, that is something the Holy Spirit has to work up inside of us because we'll want to retaliate, we'll want to retreat, we'll want to worry. When God says, no, pray. Unify and strengthen your arms together in prayer.
And um, I'm convicted uh, how quickly they turn to this. They come back, they report, and it's like, they, they just know. They all know to get, we're going to pray. Lift your voice right now. Let's pray. Let's pray. They know it. It's just like second nature to them. Let's pray. Let's go before the Lord. Let's lift this up. And I'm just convicted at how many things I often do before I pray. And today, uh, so today we're going to end this service very uniquely for us, okay? And some of you are going to be super uncomfortable by this. And I would say if this is your first time with us, uh, come back next Sunday for a more normal end to a service, okay? I believe walking in here today, and this proved true in first service, there are people in this room right now carrying such heavy things, going through such hard days, just given news that was like a body blow to them who need to be prayed for. And as we close the service today, here's what I'm going to ask. Don't stand up yet. I want you to know what you're standing up into. I'm going to ask those of you who are like, yeah, I know, I need to, I need to be prayed for. Maybe you as a family, you're like, we need to be prayed for. Maybe you as a couple, you're like, we got to get some prayer for this. I'm going to ask those people to stand before we leave. And um, when you stand, you're standing and you're saying, I'm willing to let a group of people come around me and pray for this, which means I'm willing to share in kind of the 30-second version what it is that's going on in my life. We're not at, you don't have to get into all the gory details of it. And then I'm going to let these people pray for me. And I'm going to let them pray over me these two things. I'm going to acknowledge that God is still in control. And they're going to join with me in asking for God to resolve whatever this is that needs to be resolved. And now, a lot of counsel in church world says, don't do this in a corporate worship gathering. It could get awkward. Since when has it become awkward to pray as the church? Like when I read this, I just see, I just see a group. Who prayer for them was second nature. And I want that for this family. And if you're, if you're here and you're not a Jesus follower yet and you're like, no, this will get awkward. Tr listen, maybe you're here and you need prayer for something. I want you to experience the love of this family praying over you for that. And if you're like, I ain't standing up for nothing. No, please, just sit in your seat through this. The worship team's going to come out. They're going to be playing some music. Just feel free to sit there judgment-free. Better than Planet Fitness judgment-free. <laughs> just sit right there in your seat if you're not comfortable with any of this. But I know there's some people in the room today who are hurting and who need prayer and they need the body of Christ to surround them right now, put their hands on them and pray for them in this. And so if you're here, in first service, there were pockets all over this room of people being prayed over. If you're here and you need prayer for something, just stand to your feet.